saw them gods out in Panama. Weed through the weed smoke. Trees where my seeds grow. Let them try to press, get shot like a freak. Uh, niggas won't beef till they get their fucking teeth broke. I just want peace. They don't want me to be peaceful. You know I'm a king. Look at how my Cuban link glow. Go medallion flow. Only second to the now. Girls going wild like them broads up in college. Looking at my child do the same thing that I did. Nigga, where was you in the 80s? Reganomics, we so cracked the mothers and they babies. Fiends was running around with stolen shit to sell me crazy. Man, I took some shorts and a couple nickel cracks. I gave them maybe. Gave this bitch a sample. That's my test too, baby. Tell them things we back in town. Ice cream, pastries. Five-star general, bitch. I'm out breaking them. Fiends gave me so much bread, I had to stop faking them. Side hustlers stole some of my dope. I started spanking them. Talk to coconuts and Jamaican accent. Shabba ranking them. If you stole my shit with the nigga that helped you walk the plank with them. Hmm. Buck him down like a bumbaclot acronym. Look, don't tell your peeps, but all of my niggas are after him. Hmm. You're just a bitch. Tell me why you acting so masculine. Hmm. Who the fuck is he? Tell me why the fuck are you asking him? Why? And as I'm smoking this branch, watch me pass the limb. I'm only here to collect my blessings with a pastor bin. Weed through the weed smoke trees where my seeds grow. Let them try to press, get shot like a freak. Uh, niggas won't beef till they get their fucking teeth broke. I just want peace. They don't want me to be peaceful. You know I'm a king. Look at how my Cuban link glow. Go medallion flow. Only second to the now. Girls going wild like them broads up in college. Looking at my child do the same thing that I did. What was in the clip? Yeah. It, the clip, or do you or do you want to wait to talk about it? Yeah. Well, I, I kind of want to like, I mean, I kind of spelled it out, but basically, it's there's there's a little conversation that the the, the people have. Well, I'll, I'll maybe I'll pull it up next time. But there's a because I'll be talking about the real world. I'm gonna watch them all through and stuff. I'm 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 convinced that at least the first few seasons are are worthwhile. Season one is unbelievable i had no idea that it was so what it is like it it, it um it's almost like uh, reality television like regressed massively like from real real world like it went backwards and then it came back up to it or something like i don't know what happened in between but like it was at like a really interesting level at the very get-go and then i don't know like how it ended up even wherever it is i don't know what it is today exactly but it, it, it can't be that um what i've been watching um, anyway, let's save it for the microphone. I've already been recording for 19 minutes. and <laughs> Okay.
Maybe the podcast already started. I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe we just need to do the. Yeah, no, we could just uh, edit this? it in. Hello, everyone. <laughs> it's Tuesday, May tenth, six fifty-eight p.m. Tuesday. That's right. Tuesday, May tenth, six fifty-eight p.m. And I'm Brian, and this is Kathy. Uh, four fifty-eight p.m. That's right. And hello, Kathy. This is Kathy over there. Um, <laughs> hey, how's it going? Kathy is also here, and we're we're talking about reality television programs the variety of reality television programs we want to bring you and um the wealth of reality television viewing experiences that you can have with yourself and your friends at home to enjoy all of this wonderful content that we have to bring you because let me tell you something kathy that i learned this week um before we get to anything <gasps> is that bringing this whole concept to another audience makes them go insane immediately um, I, I, I brought this so I recently had some, some visitors to my house it was kind of unexpected last night we just had some people come over and then um, uh, as, as I uh, thought about what we could do I was like well maybe I'll turn on this YouTube clip of the real world I was just watching and then we kind of got on one thing or another and then Tila Tequila came out and then uh, it really went wild from there everyone was completely enthralled by Tila Tequila and even uh, a couple, of, I mean, one person there I never even met before, even in my own home, and it was uh, an instant, like, social anesthetic, um, watching Tila Tequila with a total stranger in my house, and then um, talking to, to, to them, I'm like, I talked to you about all of this, and I can only assume what they thought about me, uh, but I don't really care, it's, it's so much to say that we had a great time, and laughed a lot at a lot of, like, this is a total stranger, and I can't even give you the detail. I'll give you, Kathy, the detail at some point, the detail on, on the person that I was, I was convening with because mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not our business necessarily. But, man, uh-huh. let me tell you, um, that was, uh, it was the best icebreaker imaginable for um, uh, a mixed company scenario. It was great. Um, turns out everyone loves watching reality television, and no matter what you put in front of them, they're 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 ready to watch it. I mean, seriously, we went through. We watched Singled Out, which I'll get to in a little bit. Which with Chris Hardwick, I just want to say also, Chris Hardwick, uh, looking like looking looking rough in uh, in in 1998. He he must have got an upgrade at some point to to become Mister. I'm gonna host everything nerdy with talking in it um, these days. But wow. Um, Do you remember? Up. Do you remember that I couldn't rem- right now that you said that I was trying to think of like the other weird, weird ones, like all these weird cattle call dating shows. Um, That's one of them. Uh, the one with, yeah, the one with Jenny McCarthy on MTV. Was that also singled out? Was that, was that like out. the, was that the original one? Yeah, right. Chris it was Hardwick with her. And, and she was like really amazing on it. Honestly, she was like ruthless with these guys that were just like, yeah, well, they do both genders back and forth half through the episode. Yeah. Like, damn though, that they were savage in a way that was very funny. But also, like, um, the audience or the cast seemed to, like, play along Was with. that both of them together? Yeah. Or I don't know if it was always both of them at the same time, but at least when I was watching that episode, it was, like, Chris Hardwick was, like, the MC, and then Jenny McCarthy was, like, controlling the crowd, sort of. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. I have like zero recollection of who the guy is in that. Like, I only remember her. Yeah. He he went on to host um a bunch of he like he hosts like talking. Well, you know, he hosts for people unaware. He hosts like Talking Dead. He used to host. Maybe he still hosts the Nerdist podcast. I know he's kind of like canceled or blackballed these days or was at some point. I don't know if he redeemed. Oh no! Himself. Did he do something? Oh I, my god! I don't know the details, so I'm not going to repeat it necessarily. But I, yeah, I no, I don't something know. Something it lives in the brain space that he was. Okay. Uh, something happened. Uh, uh, don't sue me, Chris Hardwick. So I also um, we we watched a bunch of different things, and and I will get into the maybe deeper, but um, I would say the main thing that we really focused on was Tila Tequila. But before I get yes. into all that, because that is kind of a deep thing on its own. Um, what, what, what have you been watching lately? What have you been getting into? Um, so, uh, I, I had a, just, it's, it was just a busy week. I didn't get a chance to watch much. Uh, I did, I did more reading cause, cause like, I, I don't know. I, I was just kind of feeling all of the long form articles these days. I feel like, yeah. um, so the first thing that I really got into, um, and it's going to have a Tila Tequila connection so i think i'll save it for the second thing um the first chunk of long form reading that i did were these uh this this pair of vanity fair articles that were released about a writer on gray's anatomy (laughs) okay please tell me more i think i maybe just okay no this is tell me yeah, yeah yeah okay so um, I think this is basically what happened to me where I was probably like just clicking about mm-hmm. checking, just checking the timeline, looking at the celeb column, you know, what's happening, things that might interest you as one does when one is, you know, let's say sitting on a toilet. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever. That's an appropriate thing to do. And, um... So yeah, I see I see a thingy and I, I follow this little link and it's it's to these to this pair of Vanity Fair articles about this Grey's Anatomy writer. Um and her name is um uh Elizabeth Finch. Okay. Yeah, Elizabeth Finch. Okay, so her name is Elizabeth Finch, and I guess she had has had been. I don't I don't think the show exists anymore. I'm actually not sure. Um the doctor shows never really did it for me. Like I loved the law and orders and the homicides mm-hmm. and the wires and shit like that. But like, it was like about doctors. I was a real ER. house. I was a house head. I watched all of house. I was a big, big old house fan. Um, so I only, only liked one. house to the extent that there was like a mystery behind it. Yes. Like, Ooh, what kind of weird disease is it going to be? Like, that was cool to me, yeah. but like, like Monk didn't do it for me, except for the fact that like I, I thought agree. like Tony Shalhoub is really funny, right? Like yeah, to like me, that's Psych. what made the show. Psych was my Monk. Yeah. Same thing, but different. Yeah. Characters. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, like, I don't care. Like yeah. doctors and they're all fucking each other. Like, I don't care. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go do a thing. It's a very sexy show for a show about uh, uh, Hugh Laurie, basically. Yeah. <laughs> no, not- way more doctor fetishes than there are cop fetishes, which I think is good. <laughs> Right, like, but weird still. Anyway, yeah, it's the power thing. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird, weird. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know that I want to get fucked by anybody in like a coat. No, I don't want anyone wearing a coat. <laughs> uh, unless you know, just take the coat off before you approach me. That's all I'm saying. Hey, unless it's the Mister Plow jacket, in which case, leave, leave it, it on. on. Yes, right. <laughs> 
Oh. Uh, anyway, folks, okay. Folks, so, if you want to learn more, you can subscribe to Disney Plus and go find The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Watch episode like three, two maybe. Um, oh my gosh! Anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so this so this writer she um, she she uh, it turns out that um, she basically made up the fact that she had cancer. And she had used the fact that she had had cancer yeah. as like her credentials, essentially, yeah. for why she was qualified to write at Grey's Anatomy. Holy shit. Because she was like, it's my lived experience, y'all, yeah. you know, or whatever. And like the like the that guy who wrote the book, um, like that what was it million little pieces or something like that or something like that threads that guy something that yeah guy. they made fun of him in south park but yeah that that dude did the same thing he like pretended to make up a bunch of stories but never did any of it yeah or, well, yeah so apparently this is what this lady did and wow. so she like she like basically like made the sub she made up all this stuff about like having cancer and like and, and would always like deploy the but i had cancer and then um it turns out um she 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 would like use this fake reality that she concocted in her life to write this autobiographical fiction that was entirely fiction right so like because she's saying it's her lived experience but it's fake right yeah. but then she's saying like i mean right this is why like it had cachet because people were like oh she's a cancer survivor she knows what it's like to do chemo yeah. right or whatever it turns out she never had chemo and so she this gets discovered when she starts dating a woman or, or her partner she she starts dating someone and this someone is like a nurse or like a former nurse or something yeah. and so as they start to get to know each other you know the the writer yeah. elizabeth finch is like yeah like well i beat cancer and like i'm can't you know like it's been in remission for however many years now or right. whatever and I had chemo and the nurse lady is like, yeah, but people who have chemo have the like chemo IV drip scar thingy, which is where yeah. the shit goes in. I don't, I'm sorry that I'm ignorant and I don't know what that shit is called actually, but like the thing, there's like a scar that's supposed to like occur and she didn't have it like at all, like nowhere on her body was right. this scar anywhere where it's supposed to be if this is the kind of treatment she actually said she had. Right. So like, um, so it turned out it was all a lie. Um, and then the story starts to get even weirder because like her partner, like had been surviving like a domestic violence incident, like in her prior history. And so was like, I'm only like starting to fall in love with people again. Right. Like that kind of situation. Um, and so the Grey's Anatomy writer basically steals this woman's stories like wholesale yeah. and pawns them off as her own and then uses them to tell them on the sh on the show. Holy shit. Um, and like fictionalizes their own life, fictionalizes their own therapy sessions, fictionalizes the real, fictionalizes the fake cancer she never actually had like apparently started saying that her brother had done all of this weird kind of abuse to yeah. her. Apparently her parents are saying none of that ever happened, but mm. like, you know, like that's, that's also like what's kind of weird, right? Like, because like with it and now she has lost credibility. So then who's to say what and who's to believe her? Yeah. 
Yeah, right? So, like, because it all starts to get mixed in there. The story seems to indicate, seems to imply that whatever she made up about her brother is false. Whatever she made up about her cancer is false. Um, whatever she shared about her relationship is kind of true, but icky because she wasn't supposed to like share it. Right. And then some of it didn't even happen to her. It like happened to her partner or something. Right. Like, and nobody knew this. Um, and, and, and anyway, it all gets discovered and like the the thing and it's like, but yet again, right. It's like, it becomes this whole fucking deal where it's like, I don't know, do I like, I feel bad for her for sure. Right. Like she's, she's living this lie. She probably told a little white lie, got out of hand. Right. Like was desperate to get in her career and ended up. Yeah. Stuck. Inventing that she had cancer. Yeah. Right. Just fucked up. Which I think that, you know, the person who starts that lie probably thinks that it's relatively innocuous when they start it. And then, you know, and ultimately, no, I mean, the only people hurt by it are the people who like gave her trust or like, I mean, no person with cancer is ultimately going to be hurt by it. But like, well, I don't know. It's hard to. Oh, no. So funny you should say that. So apparently there were. Well, okay. so here's like the fucked up part, like even to add layers to the fucked up part. Right. Like, because apparently there were people in the writer's room who had experienced cancer. Dope. Wow. So now now, of course, like saying cancer is like saying like like I experienced a broken Broken bone, bone. which is like it could be anything from a hairline to like a fucking compound shit was sticking out of things kind of a fracture. Right. Cancer is the same way. Like, I I don't want to say there's easier kinds. Right. But science has evolved to the point where some are indeed easier if they if they catch them sooner. Right. So like. She was apparently playing up also like I had a rare cancer and no one suffered like I've suffered like she was going all out. So someone over there who had like, I'll say just breast cancer or something. I I don't remember what the other I'm again, I'm I'm really ignorant. I don't know what the different kinds are. Again, I never saw these shows. And maybe I maybe I could have learned something. But I couldn't uh, tell you long story short from my melanoma, honestly. I couldn't tell you. I mean I mean I always feel like wow look at all these people with insurance. Well, Talk about privilege. Like, oh, people getting arrested and going on trial. Like, I can relate to that. Like, I'm to, I'm people getting to... quality health care. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Like, might as well be watching Dynasty and shit, dude. Like, Dr. House, um, Dr. House, it's very interesting in his thing because he works at like a research hospital, which is like, it's like if the specialist can't treat you, then they send you to Dr. House. He's like the ultra specialist. And I always thought like in Princeton, I believe, or like, I don't know. So I think it was Princeton or some New Jersey medical hospital. And they, he's like, um, they sent him to like the Dr. House clinic and like the wing of this place. And um, I, I, every single person who came in there was like, it was like, it was like God opened the telephone book and just like picked someone up and threw them in there. There was never any like classification, but the, the, the show never really talked about why, like where these people were like coming every once in a while. They'd be like, yeah, this doctor was like our re- reference or whatever. But like, it's like anyone can just be selected by Dr. House's little, like I'm going to save your life from this very specific ailment that nobody's ever heard of. 
I think we're supposed to believe that it's like, you know, like the Mayo Clinic or, or like okay. Shriners Children's, okay. you know, the kind of like, oh, like you've got weird fucked up rare cancer that nobody knows how to solve. Well, okay. you know, come on over to over here. Right. Yeah. But even that, you know, even that kind of assumes there were a couple of layers there in between, you know. Yeah. Anyway, a, all a that of, is a way There's a lot saying. of ethics questions going on there. I mean, there was an episode where like an African dictator was at their hospital and like they like let him die. Like one of the the doctors let let him die, but like on the sly because he was like, this guy sucks. He's a terrible person. We can't let him live, but we have to make it look like an accident. And nobody agreed, and they all had to fight fight about it, and yet he still died anyway. Um, and it was Dr. House who just wanted to make, get everyone's uh, conscience clean and do it himself. It was, uh, And I, I think about that episode a lot when I think about the ethics lines that that show kind of like treads, and where he's like a man who saved like so many lives, so he gets to make these choices, but also he's a fictional character, and people aren't going to watch these in context necessarily. And, I don't know. It makes me think of also the CSI effect, really. Also, um, how like uh, even fictional television repeatedly, especially procedurals, develop uh, procedurals with about people in um, positions in our society that are uh, required for us to continue functioning and solving our, our the horrors um, at large. I don't know. People have uh, twisted perceptions of how they work because not everyone's Will Graham. I don't even think there's a real, real Will Graham. Is there like a real, like serial killer profile or hunter? Is that like a real thing? I don't think that's actually like a. Real yeah, thing. there's like real. Well, I mean, so I, I mean, so uh, uh, so Manhunter, mm -hmm. um, the the FBI profiler, um, who actually did work on it. Like he's he's like a real person that like the. Um, Clarice Lispector, oh. Buffalo Bill Hunter, yeah. the Fox Mulder uh, character also, right, is also like a behavioral profiler. Yeah, those are like, that. that's like a real thing. Oh. Uh, like, as far as like that it exists as a thing in law enforcement, it's real. But it's like a real field of study, like real capital R real. I guess oh. it's as real as psychology, right? Because that's ba it's basic foundation, right? It's that we can get into the mind of a serial killer or something and we can be like oh he's a loner and blah blah blah. but like i i don't you know i don't know i don't know how we can have that trope and also the it's the guy you least expect right like right. Uh, like it's either one or the other right it's either the guy we can exactly identify because of modern psychology and phrenology or tea reading or whatever the fuck right yeah. a science or it's like it's some unpredictable fucking delusion that takes over i mean i i i still the the question of like what makes someone go into like that realm of like i i don't even know what the word is so sociopathy yeah. like uh whatever like is it as predictable as we seem to think it is? Like, is it really like, like, I mean, sure. I believe that if like, yeah, if they were torturing like squirrels and chipmunks and cats and shit when they were kids, like, yeah, I'm sure there's a thing, but we also know that people just like quote unquote snap. Right. So they could have just been totally fucking normal. Yeah. And then one day they decide, right. I'm going to go up into the fucking bell tower with a fucking AK 47 or whatever fucking gun I happen to have. Yeah. Or, yeah. I, I think about, I think about the dance very frequently. Um, my favorite dance in television between two um, actors in like pursuit and um, the prey, I suppose, or the hunter. And you have to decide who is the hunter and the hunted. But uh, Will Graham 
played by Hugh Dancy and Maz Mikkelsen playing Hannibal, of course, in that show. There's nothing like the the chemistry between those two on the hunt or their friendship or like um, him being like uh, broken down psychologically by Hannibal like over time. Like that relationship in that show, which is only like well, I guess it did get its third season. It sounds like it actually might come back. All the actors were recently chatting with, I believe, the creator about bringing it back for at least like a little project or something. But um, that show uh, is incredible. It's better than the films, I think, in my opinion. Um, it recaps, I guess they do kind of talk about like the, the, um, manhunter aspect of part of, as being part of Will Graham's history. That's like traumatized him. So they do cover that. And then they even get into like the Hannibal stuff, like in, in the sequel, which is really cool. Um, and I think the sequel, the, the season two or whatever it is of Hannibal is way better than the movie Hannibal. And it is like almost exactly the same plot, but it's just way better. <laughs> um, the acting, especially. Uh, you don't need Ray Liotta eating his own brain to, to put a smile on your face. You still get the same shot, though, of the guy, like, falling out the window, like, strung up by his own organs or whatever, hanging from the wheelchair. You still get that. You do get that. Um, but uh, And you still get the guy getting eaten by the pigs, but it's way more terrifying. That is the scariest thing. Maybe one of the most, like, wild things I've ever even, like, imagined being broadcast. That was broadcast on national television. Broadcast television. That episode is fucked up. Love it, but wild. Um, also, I, I uh, when I finished watching the episode, I remember sitting in my living room. I looked over to the front door and it was wide open, and uh, my cat had escaped. And I had to like <gasps> after the end of this like creepy episode, I had to go like creeping around the neighborhood looking for my cat who had like walked through my open front door, which is I'll never forget that uh, coincidence. Um, but you were speaking of the X Files, which I do want to take a little branch on. Specifically, because yeah. I have been watching some of the X Files recently. Um, in the last week or so, I watched like the first four or five, six episodes. I've uh, watched a lot, actually, also in the last couple of weeks, just totally unrelated, just because it's a great show. Yeah. And also, well, actually, that's not true. I it, like it's a related tangent because, like, I've also been watching the latest season of Better Call Saul, mm. which I think I think I mentioned, right? Yeah. So, like, like when we talked about Albuquerque and like her call Bert, right anyway so we mentioned that um but yeah so like i mean vince gilligan got his start on the x files like is really where he started i think um brian cranston um is on a very famous x files uh, episode which is really really good and then like there's a bunch of these other dipshits who are on that show too yeah uh, anyway a ton of those guys were all um yeah like the guy uh shit his name is on almost every single episode of breaking bad he's he was uh part of it too uh but vince gilligan he wrote uh jose chung's from outer space which is like the key episode for all fans of the show so like i always think back like oh that man gave us like he understood the x-files because that was the number one well except for maybe like the one with the lone gunman like maybe that one's like the other fan but you have to be a fan first to understand how to even write an episode like that that's going to live mm-hmm. forever is everyone's favorite episode, mm-hmm. or, you know, so I, I, mm-hmm. I, I salute him for being like the number one creative fan out there of the X-Files making stuff. Yeah. Who also got lucky enough to like have, you know, a little bit of a run at like working on it himself towards the end. Like mm-hmm. incredible. What a lucky mm-hmm. opportunity. Yeah. So good. So good. I, I, uh, 
was blown away by um honestly like every episode like uh, the first episode that was really weak is space which i think is episode six uh, but it's still still fun to watch because I, I have so many memories of being terrified of it as a kid because it's like so bad. But um, like when they're in the space capsule and the ghost comes up and it looks terrible. But when you're six, you're like fucking scared to shit. So I don't know. It still kind of worked. I mean, it was creepy. I remember feeling creepy when I watched it this time, but it was only because it was like, oh, I don't know. I, had, I didn't remember exactly how it went. Maybe that's why it was left open in my head. But um, mm-hmm. Then you, what else do you have in season one? You have... Uh, some real classics. You had the Jersey Devil. There's a cla- oh, yeah. classic episode yeah. where you have like the first time the sheriff comes, like you have like a sheriff team up. You have a Mulder sheriff team up where the sheriff always normally very unlucky. The sheriff's going down or the park ranger or whoever. He's it's also, yeah. And it's also like the first time that we see hor- horny for Bigfoot. <laughs> like again, a recurring theme. Uh, which also props up uh, pops up in Jose Chung's From Outer Space because it implies that he's jerking off to Bigfoot, right? Like um, the, uh, the well, there's a lot of there's a lot of I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on that for just a minute. Mulder jacking off because uh, Mulder jacking off is a huge part of the show. Um, from time to time, I would say at least a couple times a season, they're mentioning Mulder jacking off. And let me say, folks. They're not just going like, haha, he's jacking off. He literally, at some point in the show, not even too far in, I would say season three or four, when he's talking about moving or at some point, something like that, he's moving to, I don't know, for some reason, maybe moving in with someone else or whatever. But he, he mentions how his bedroom, he doesn't actually live in his bedroom. He doesn't sleep in his bedroom because his bedroom is full of porn, his, like physical porn, like tapes and, and magazines and stuff like that, which is why, I mean, it, it's a writing excuse for why they've never really shown Mulder's bedroom until like a scene like very late into the show. But um, that's why he's always in his living room, and for the writing reasons of the of the show, because he's, he's mm-hmm. where he lives. Because he's just jerking off. I believe we don't see his bedroom until, like, really see it until, um, it, again, to make some Vince Gilligan connections across history, uh, Dreamland one and two, when he swaps bodies with the Michael McKeon character. Oh shit. You remember that? No, no, no. When I don't remember it. Oh, wow. That's such a good one. That's like a later season, like season seven, you six the, or seven, you maybe. Mean, you mean, it, wait, was Michael McKean the pusher character? No. Okay. Mm-mm. I'm thinking, who is he? So was there, he? there, was, there, was, there was a weird, uh, pusher was, a, pusher was the guy who told people like, like, uh, like would control their brain he and the like urge them guy. to do. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was my, um, that's the one thing I remember for, is he was able to tell someone to drink a gallon of blue paint. And mm-hmm. No, uh, Dreamland 1 and 2 uh, was actually one of the, it was like one of the funny ones. It was oh, like, okay. it was definitely like a UFO conspiracy one, but it was one of the ones that wasn't like all about the cigarette smoking man and weird conspiracies. Yeah. It was like adjacent to it, right? So you could like just drop in, right? Yeah. Anyway, so like in this one, Michael McKeon plays like a spook, some NSA or high level military guy who is like hassling Mulder and they're in a, they're like in proximity to each other when this like weird time warp occurs. And they like switch consciousnesses, but not bodies or or vice versa, some shit like that. Like okay. they switch places. It's like a Freaky Friday type okay. of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So McKeon is now like with Scully being like, oh, what are we going to do to solve this mystery? 
but he's like, you know, he's he's a narc. And then Mulder is stuck behind like the military fence and they're all like, what do we do now, sir? And he's like, uh, let me go rest and think about it. Right. Like that's basically like the conflict anyway, like um, because they switch places like Michael McKeon. The Michael McKeon character gets to Fox's apartment where he actually lives right now in this scenario and is like, uh, like he lives in this dump. Like, <laughs> what's this? Like, yeah. <laughs> and you see him like open the bedroom door and it's like, what the fuck is all this shit? Like, he's like, he's like a hot stud because like Michael McKeon is Michael McKeon even right. at that moment, he's right? Not, yeah, he's so, the opposite of a lady. He's man. not unhot, yeah. right? But, but, but he's, he's he's a guy. He's just a guy, right? He's yeah. no looker, right? He's no he's no David Duchovny. He's no David Duchovny at his height during the <laughs> X Files. Like, right. sorry, Michael. I think even he knows that. Like, yes. I'm not talking shit, right? So anyway, that's the. That may be the first time we actually see Mulder's bedroom in any like substantive way. And if you haven't seen those episodes, may I suggest you I skip ahead to seasons, whatever. Yeah, hop in. They are so good. So good. And so, I, so good. Honestly, like um, I was even thinking about doing just the mythology episodes, which fans have a definitive list of, um, which you can go out there and see like what that list is. But um, I'll tell you what, like I... I have always been a big fan, still to this day, this website still exists. I've been using it since 1999-ish. The X-Files timeline, if you just Google that, maybe the first thing that comes up is that website. I've been using it since I was a kid, literally since before I had those DVDs and I was trying to put together all the events in timeline order. Because, of course, big fans of X-Files know that the show actually takes place, many episodes take place out of order. So... Um, especially when it's like going back to like the dark secrets of the history, etc. So... Uh-huh. Um, uh, if you want to look at the timeline, especially when it comes to the black oil uh, stuff as well, and Crycheck, etc. So um, if you go look up all that stuff, it's really cool. Um, it's a green and black website from a long time ago. I even have the, maybe I'll post the link in the description or something. I have it in my bookmarks from all, all the way back then. Um, it was like themarks.xfiles.com. It's like definitely, or, you know, some like super crazy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It? No. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, it looks fantastic. That's it. I yeah. want to. The marks.com slash XF. Here, I'll post a little link. So, yeah, I've been Hold looking on, at I'm this. I'm gonna... And this dude, I swear, is genius level. Look at this. 2022 updates at the timeline. This is, this is an HTML website. This man is logging in and editing an HTML time, a file in 2022. Still does it. I, I assume this has to be like a bit or something that he's doing this even. But even if he's not, it's amazing. I think at some point you just got to roll with it. And then I think at like, because like, I mean, here's here's what I respect about this. Yeah. I personally hate whenever there is any kind of software update that moves a button and even a pixel away from its usual spot. Yeah. Because like, that's, yeah. I feel like they just hate the user. And so like, yeah, this, this to me is like very welcoming. It tells me it's going to be easy. It tells me I'm not going to need to like, make sure my flash is updated. Yeah. Like they, I they... probably like, you know what? I'll bet Linux users fucking love this oh, yes. website. Absolutely. It looks like a Linux uh, screen already. It looks like a, a window you have open in a Linux computer. <laughs> it actually kind of looks like a Ma- Max Headroom background, too. Yes. Uh, uh, this, like, these black and white line backgrounds are very it, pleasing to me. messing with my screen, too. I like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is great. Mm-hmm. I, um, 
I'm a huge fan of this website. And you know, like I said, I've been using it as a kid. And they even, he even went in to like update. They added, you remember those like two seasons listeners, I'm speaking to you. I haven't actually watched seasons 10 or 11 of the X-Files because um, I'm afraid, quite honestly. I'm afraid that if I go and watch it, that something will have changed or I don't know the actors or, act- or the actresses will not uh, enjoy reprising their roles, which frequently happens when shows are rebooted and then it shows on screen. But I don't know. I don't know. Without saying anything else, I will simply say that I have seen these seasons. Okay. Okay. I'm trying not to look at your facial expression just in case that would give away. <laughs> no, because I'm, well, I'm trying, like, I'm trying <laughs> not to look at your facial expression. I'm trying to keep my blanks so that I can so here's the thing. We're, At some point the, the, in my what life, what we've learned is that we are both terrible poker players. Is I, uh, what we have learned here. Here's the thing. I I I have. I don't know. I might have even repeated it on this podcast. I I I was uh, in bed rest for about a month as I watched season one through nine of of, of X Files. So it was very important to me as a, as a show. And then I went back and watched it a million times since. Uh, but it's always had a strong like. It's one of those shows that sat very deep, like memory wise, in my brain. Like something else I was about to get to, like Stargate, which I've actually been watching a lot of a uh, bunch of as well. It's one of those shows that, like, once you've seen an episode and you know like the ins and outs, it's like Star Trek in that way. That, um, like, you know, the characters are still going to be there at the next episode, so you're just along for the ride, right? And and <laughs> and. Stargate is the perfect bomb like that in my mind also. When I was watching, uh, you know, X-Files alone, as, as the Bare Naked Ladies song goes in the dark with no lights on, um, uh, sometimes you get creeped out. And I find that SG-1 is a show that is uh, so uh, TVPG that there is 0% chance that it could ever get creeped out by anything that happens on that show, almost. Uh, and, um, and I could watch it forever. I've seen it, you know, it's 10 seasons through. I've seen all of Atlantis. That must be well over 250 hours of viewing. And uh, let me tell you, that show is is amazing. Netflix viewing right now. It's, all, it's out there on Netflix, the whole whole dang thing. And I think, is, is that where X-Files lives too? Is that where it maybe lives on Netflix now? Or? Um, I, I've been you. watching it on Prime personally. Okay. Prime, That's where I watch Prime. it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's like on a few different things, right? Because it's owned by Fox. So I think it's also on Disney. Okay. Well, please go I s- think. seek that out. Make make it make it a quest viewer if you've never um, yes you're still a viewer viewer if you've uh, never uh, sought out an episode of the X Files and you've survived this long through us talking about it please go view an episode um, don't start with episode one because it's it's not exactly where you want to get the juice or the sauce of the the show but try episode like three the one where they uh, have aliens encounter them I believe um, and the road and there's the time stoppage is that episode one. There's yeah, like I think the pilot. Okay, just watch the, the pilot. The pilot though. I think comes right out swinging. Okay, I think I, I personally think the pilot does a really good job of setting up oh, the okay. like, um, oh here's what's gonna happen. Okay. <laughs> oh, and cigarette smoking man does show up at the very end. I did notice that when I was watching it last time. I did not remember that from the in past. the pilot. In the at the very very end, as Scully walks out of uh, well, uh, uh, I guess uh, what's his name. Skinner doesn't exist yet in the pilot. He's not a character yet. So as she's exiting the people who Skinner does take their job, like after like Deep Throat or whatever, then CGB Spender walks out, walks right past her in the hallway and into the door. And right before he walks in, he turns to the camera and you get to see it's definitely him. And it's his face. And I was like, holy shit. They planned out like the 10th layer of the story, like from episode one. That's insane. 
because um, he means nothing to the story for pretty much until <laughs> Erlenmeyer Flask, which is like the final uh-huh. episode of the uh-huh. season. So, yeah, wild. Um, that show. Yeah, is, no, just just. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like like just perfect television, mm-hmm. I would say. I, I'd like mm-hmm. if you wanted to ever talk to me in my own language, you need only watch the X-Files, I think. I'll, I'll watch a little bit more of it, but that, that I didn't need to refresh my on my own language. Um, mm-hmm. But damn, you could seriously like you could sit here in front of me for a thousand hours. We could talk about the X Files. Um, oh, I mean, I I want to do like uh, so so. Uh, hmm. uh, uh, my fellow was saying that he had never really seen a heck of a whole lot of it. Like you know, he had seen this and he had seen that, and but never had really like seen a whole bunch of them. So like we've been like I've I shouldn't say we've been watching. I've been putting on season, like going from season one and going yes. like, mm, we can skip these. Like, who cares? Like, I've been doing that with SG one with someone else. So that's totally, I think we're on the same path with that. Um, turns and out it's fun. It's, it's like, as I go like, Oh, like nerds really like this one. Yeah. But like, if you really want to get into it, you can go back, but I'm going to go ahead and just go to the one with yeah. Jack black. Okay, cool. I'm okay. Skipping, bye. I'm skipping <laughs> like, all the, yeah, I'm skipping all the one-off episodes except for the ones that introduce key characters that come back in like later, later episodes. So I'm skipping like, uh, you know, like episode three of Star Trek. You can imagine in your brain if you've never seen an episode of Star Trek. It's the one where Captain Kirk like gets into a romantic relationship with someone for the first time. That becomes like a trope of the show. Well, episode four of SG-1, they take that episode and they give it to you. And right before it becomes that episode, they turn it around and make it like one of the, I think, funniest and like lighthearted kind of takes on that kind of episode. And it's it's like perfect. It deals with like, the fact that SG-1 has, or the people that controlled the Stargates had been taking humanity throughout time, right? So throughout different cultures in time and been sending them off to different planets throughout the galaxy. And they, up in a, they end up on a planet uh, that is like uh, Mongolian times, essentially. Like, like Genghis Khan is still ruling. I, yeah, exactly. Like technology never developed in their version of the planet either for some reason, I guess. But, uh, anyway. You'll eat who I eat, yes. <laughs> so as much time passed on their planet as it passed on our planet, and yet for some reason they never progressed past where they were. Okay, and at this moment I just want to go ahead and shout out all of our friends and loved ones who put up with us doing this to them, and vice versa, the reciprocity of someone, the, the intimate nature of someone being like, oh, what do you mean you've never seen fill in the blank? Right. Mm-hmm. And then and then they take you through that process and it's like yeah. really sweet and kind of nice. Right. And you get to like see like that thing through that person's like like like, you know, virgin eyes for the first yeah. time. And I haven't even got to how I watched 13 going on 30 this weekend yet. So, oh, no, I, I just again, I just want to shout out our friends and loved ones because like, Please. like it sounds like y'all, you're doing this with Stargate. I'm doing this with X-Files mm-hmm. and you know, to show that I'm not merely inflicting this upon the world, that I am also allowing it to be inflicted upon me also. Um, so it's really funny because a group of friends uh, realized that in our little group, um, they were the only ones who were like hardcore Buffy fans okay. and that like the rest of us had never like really. And they were like... <laughs> Like, like, I don't know, like kind of sad. And so we were like, okay, you know what? How about if we like all did Buffy study group? Oh, wow. Wow. 
I there is so a- the, so so uh, yeah so this may be something I actually start up okay. with some friends and like I've I've like honestly never really had any interest or like given okay. a shit but I think it's like think it's like no I think like I like I think I'm ready I think I'm ready to see like what the big deal is about because like apparently it is or something or has been. I'm gonna like editors. Note, whatever editors note. I have a, a pot another podcast. I'm on. It's called For All Time. Episode 13 of that podcast was called uh, um, what was it? Joss Feratu. It was a a New, <gasps> a New York a New York magazine story about how he's a total monster garbage person. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. Um, boy, howdy! If you go read that, I bet you're gonna have a hard time watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Well, I believe this was even how this conversation came up. Right? It was one of these like hardcore death of the author uh, confrontations as we were having this conversation. Yeah. Because because they were like like this friend was like sad and mourning and like had heard this news, and the rest of us like weren't mourning because like we never had a connection to the show in the first place. I see. I see. Right. So like so like that Joss Whedon was outed as like a fucking piece of shit or right. whatever. I was like, yeah, who cares? Like, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say who cares, like, but like, I wasn't like, oh, my God, but I'm such a fan of all this shit he did. I was like, OK, yeah, like he did that like X-Men thing and that was cool. Right. But like that was like about it. That was like my mm. level of like mm, mm, mm. giving a shit about who he was. And like uh, other than that, he was just some other Hollywood fucking exactly. piece of shit. And I understand that perspective exactly. But for me, it was a big deal because I in my lifetime was self-identified with geeks and nerds and um or that's how i I position myself and i would say that if no one else in the world found out a way to capitalize and market all that shit and turn a bunch of people into what they thought were this class of people who knew more about pop culture and had some kind of extra value or whatever he was the person that figured out that we could take the avengers well, Kevin Feige was, but then he was the person who said that, like, I have the juice in Hollywood. I have the nerd mm-hmm. cult. I have the script talent. I have mm-hmm. the connections to get all these people to work together to make this happen. And um, mm-hmm. he was full of shit. But the thing is, it doesn't even matter because he made it all happen. And now we have the end product. And now we live in a world where they've made three other, five other sequels to all these, 15 other sequels to all these things that he's created and he's buried in the dirt. Mm-hmm. So we got what we needed out of him and in that way. I don't know. It's a complicated thing, but um, I do suggest anyone go read that article, though, because it is actually very fascinating. It doesn't completely condemn him. It just, it may, in your mind, but it doesn't, like, blackball him. It just, it tells the truth, and he owns up to everything, which is why it's so strange, because it's, you've never read an article like that where they're like, we're going to, like, totally destroy this person's character. Also, he's sitting right next to us, listening to us do it Uh the whole time. And that was mm-hmm. an interesting thing. And he explains everything he does. He doesn't offer it as an excuse. And he says that every single time he offers an explanation. He says this isn't an excuse, but I'm going to tell you everything that I was doing. Um, it's like uh, almost it's like uh, having the serial killer interrogated after the fact or something like that. You know, the, this this is also this like weird uh, the other weird aspect of like celebrity and voyeurism and tabloidism and us and the audience and the people and like it's that like like there is no in that sense like there is no privacy mm-hmm. right like um you know it's kind of even like the thing with like Amber Heard and Johnny Depp like 
like ultimately it still feels like none of my fucking business yeah, <laughs> like as, as I, you more, know like i sent you that link uh, as we were talking or not a link i sent you like a, a, a cover of like the new york post that i had mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah and i was mm-hmm. like i saw that and i was like when i saw that i already knew what was inside because i had told you on the pre on the podcast that exact quote that appeared on the front of that new york post right mm-hmm. um and and i opened it up and then saw the full context and i was just like Okay, I'm gonna like close this back up. <laughs> just kind of, but this one over well, here. Well, like I mean, you know, to, I, I mean, again, like with the news, right? Like, like the um, the 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 correctional officer who helped the inmate escape, and there was this like nationwide manhunt, and they were just captured like yesterday or today. I, yeah. I don't remember. You just, yeah, you sent me a link on that. Yeah. Um, and they um. Like, again, like, it's one of these, like, really weird voyeuristic things, right? Where it's like, and it's always been there, um, but it it continues to, like, make me feel really uncomfortable. Like, uh, of these, like, like, where does it go from, hey, public, be on the lookout for these dangerous criminals. We're concerned about your safety to... Hey, public members of the public, like keep your eye out because everyone's a fucking snitch and like everyone's a video camera and everyone doesn't mind their business. And I, I don't know, like it's just it's it's weird. Everything's just weird, I think. Yeah, um, it, it does. It does drive one to try and want to become more insular. But then at the same time, then you're losing the battle, I guess. Um Yeah. It's a complicated world to protect yourself from it all still staying exposed enough to have that of a life, you know? Well, I mean, if we can, like, you, you know, maybe I feel like the next the next logical step in this conversation is my obsession with uh, Megan McCain right yes. now, yeah, getting yeah. basically fucking dragged for filth on the timeline. <laughs> Please, please explain. I feel I feel online. bad for her, but I don't. My goodness. Um, I don't know the deets. I don't know. Please tell me. OK, well, I feel like it all began. And I, I again, I'm not really sure because I, I, I'm only like a, this is all mediated through the timeline. But if I if I'm aware of the time, like the the actual time, like in the sense of <laughs> like measurement of elapsation of reality or whatever uh-huh. um i think it started with a tweet where um it, it was like for mother's day or something and i think it started like on i may have started before i'm not actually sure but uh, she just released a physical copy of her new book um and so she i guess this book came out a few months ago on audio like on audible or like you know as an audio tape whatever um but only recently, I guess this week or whatever, was released as a physical page turner copy. And so I guess there's like promotion for it as one does on a book tour. And she's writing about whatever the fuck it is that she's writing about. Okay. The view, I guess. Right. I don't know. I don't or, care. Right. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. And uh, but I guess she went viral initially because uh, she left a copy of her new book at uh-huh. her father's grave on purpose and everyone was like oh that's so tacky right um 
No. And I think it's not tacky to leave a copy of the book at the grave. No. I think it's Has she tacky it to Is post this the first it. Time? Is this the first time she's done it? I don't think so. So that's I think that's it's tacky to it, post it, it once, right? Like right after he, yeah, it is. It is because, but I mean, it's quite obviously. Then you're you're basically, uh, I don't know, mining your, <laughs> yeah, your grief. You're I, mining you're, you're, your grief. You're mining. You are. You're mining grief. Yeah, that's like a that's like like, that's a like if you really want to be yeah like if you really want to be like hey dad I wrote this book and I think you'd be proud of it like you could just go and leave the book turn around and fucking leave right like and go by yourself and not make a big deal about it or anything yeah if it meant something to right you, is it, it it's it's yeah. it's what we're taught about charity right like it doesn't count if you make a big fucking deal of it right a, a camera is like, not supposed to be rolling for you to feel better about yourself yeah. Or right. Anything. Yeah. I think that's what Jesus said. Right. I think that yeah. literally, like, literally the gospel of Jesus. Right. So, like, um, our Lord and Savior. I get mad because I, 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 I have read quite a bit. I, I read my Bible all the time. And so I'm always like, I, I, anyway, that's a different story. But, like, I, I get mad at that hypocrisy too. Very much so. Um, anyway, um, talk about that at some point. Uh, anyway, but yeah. anyway, so she, yeah, so she leaves this fucking book at her fucking dad's gravesite and she tweets about it. She Instagrams it, she TikToks it or whatever the fuck it is that she did with it. But she posted it on social media and everyone's like, ew, that's tacky. And then I think she was like, eh, meh, 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 meh. everyone's attacking me. Like it's cancel culture and everyone's woke. I don't know. She probably like started crying. Whatever it is that she did, right? right. I think she, I think in this like timeline of existence, she caught the attention of John McCain's former campaign manager, Steve Schultz is his name, I think. Or okay. I, I don't remember, Steve Schmidt. I, I honestly don't remember because they're all just characters in a TV show to me. Yeah, they're which is about they're how like yeah, like politics is like literally a TV show sometimes. Yeah, it's so literally I've, I've like Parks and Rec. Subscribed to half the content. <laughs> yes, but continue, please. And um, so so like this this former campaign manager guy whose name I don't remember, but I could probably look up his at on Twitter. He's on fire, dude. Like just like went off and was like oh like megan mccain is like has written a new book it's full of lies it's like blah 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 you guys want the truth here's some fucking truth and then proceeds to just talk a bunch of shit about her john mccain sarah palin like his timeline just fucking explodes in wow. this like drama bomb oh no it's good like <laughs> This is what I spent my time doing. Please. I think yesterday, I think I got home from work and I was like, wait, what did I miss? Like, what happened? Why is this bitch trending again? Like, did she get fired from the view again? again like, what yeah, happened? Like yeah, I, I think letter. she quit. I, I like, I don't, I'm not trying to make shit up. I think she left, but like, whatever, right? Like, nobody liked her, is I think the story, which apparently is also the story that this former campaign manager was saying, which is that like nobody liked her on the campaign trail and like nobody liked her like when she was around and like blah, blah, blah. Yeah, anyway, I know she, this prompted like the, some New York Times reporter to like reread like her first 
like autobiographical book and live tweet it like they were live tweeting the second the new book and just like oh this is like the best part and then chapter seven she says this and i have some reality just star bananas books. i have some reality star books on the list by the way that I'm, I'm gonna probably get to read on the program and i think they're gonna be like like really good like richard hatch which we'll get to still in a second um some of these so of course so of course like okay so like here's here's where i'm about to just completely give it to you because i need to oh my god it's like almost there oh my god oh my god okay so (laughs) in one of these fucking twitter threads and uh that the new york times book reviewer guy was doing for the her original book from when uh they lost the election from when john mccain lost and she was like a like super blogger she was trying to be like the bush gals right like trying to be like hip and cute and all this shit right but of course like (laughs) um anyway um she they they interview her about what are the things that she's like into and she's trying to kind of show that she's hip and cool uh, but the GQ writer who is interviewing her. So this is what the, uh, so the book reviewer guy is reading what her book is saying in 2000 and whatever. And he's comparing it to interviews that she gave to like GQ or Newsweek or the New York times or whatever. And like kind of comparing it, doing the same thing with the new book. Right. So she, she was like, Oh, well back in the day, I believed this. Right. And then the New York Times reviewer is going like, okay, well, let's go see what her interviews at that time were actually saying about Sarah Palin and see what she was actually saying about abortion. Anyway, so he cites to this 2008 GQ article where um, she takes him to lunch at Garduño's Margarita Factory somewhere (laughs) in Arizona, which I thought you would appreciate too because... Man, we fucking do love a Gardunios, I'll tell you that. I, uh, damn. I just love that name. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go. And I'm going to read a paragraph. Yeah, I'm going to read a paragraph from this GQ article. Megan's cultural tastes are pretty straight down the middle for a recent college grad. I'm going to pull the menu for us, but please continue reading. Uh, She went crazy for super bad, knocked up, and the big Lebowski. Quote. I fucking love that movie <laughs> on TV. She's currently riveted by MTV's a shot at love with Tila tequila. Holy shit. No way. It's a bisexual dating show. She cries. Holy it's shit. Hilarious. By the way, for anyone. Unbelievable. So this this news just crossed your bow over the last few days, but we had already planned, yeah. everyone, of course, if you listen to the last episode, the very end of the episode, I promised a, a book report on Tila Tequila, which is coming yeah. later in this episode, but I just want to let you know that that blows my mind because I haven't even thought yeah. of that show since maybe it was on TV until it just randomly popped in my head. So... <laughs> and here it is. This is incredible. And, and the here perfect it is. time to discuss it, so... I don't know. Anyway, this um, I'm going to drop this uh, GQ article link um, into our chat. I also put it into our running document. Yeah, I'm going to put a bunch of links in the notes. description from now on. All these links and stuff, I'm going to pop them in there. Yeah. Why not? But I wanted to show that to you because the rest of this story 
of uh, this GQ article and these Twitter threads of her, of, of basically fact checking her autobiography, right? Um, it feels like the exact same thing. I, I, was, I, I was going through the same range of emotions as when I was reading the Grey's Anatomy article. Right. Because that was what the Grey's Anatomy article was, right? Everyone was fact checking this woman's story, right? And and once again, we're in this like Rashomon style, like what's the actual what's truth the actual, situation? Yeah. But like the more someone puts their own selves on the record, the more they videotape themselves, the more that they like create these records of themselves, like Megan's ability to be fact-checked, like, it, it becomes really funny because she winds up, you know, again, telling complete and utter lies about what her recollection is. And I, I think it's fair to be like, I've changed my mind since then. I used to hold this opinion and now I don't. But of course, what we see is that that's not what's going on. Instead, like, there's this, like, whole denial of what used to be and just this simple saying of, Nope, this is what I've always believed. It's always been this way. I don't even know why you're going back to some fucking GQ article from 2008, right? <laughs> but here you and I are, right? Like fascinated by this because it's also telling us a lot about um, uh, like what the zeitgeist was. And to that point, the last thing that I want to mention is uh, there is a Twitter account called Y2K Aesthetic or something. Okay. <laughs> And they've been, like, curating, like, art, graphic design, and things of that sort from around the year 2000. And they tweeted the other day um, uh, something about how teen magazines are a great source for ephemeral cultural trends. That's, and, uh, you know, and then they go like on this. to, like, to yeah. Yeah. No, I'm going to drop this. Uh, uh, something. Do you think that there's a relationship between that fact? Oh, let me turn the microphone. Do you think there's a relationship between that fact and um, reality television at all? Do you, what, uh, yeah. Okay. But quickly before that thought ephemerally fades from my brain, um, why? What do you think the relating factor is between youth, teens, uh, reality television, and all of that? What is – is it the demographic? What are we tapping into? What is it that – you tell me. You tell me. What are you thinking? I believe it's the uh, perceived – trendiness itself that's like a like acknowledgement of its ephemerality its temporariness mm. therefore its valuelessness which i think is uh like i think it's like a wrong conclusion to make yes. right that just because it's temporary therefore it must be disposable therefore it must be valueless as i think the it's that last part that i think is incorrect that just because it's disposable doesn't mean it doesn't have a value, right? Like, and culture yeah. can be that way too. Now, it may not be the best way to go, and we can talk about like fast fashion, and we can talk about like um, our, our our lack of any real uh, uh, what's the word? Lots of things, but lots of attention things come to mind. span. A lot of lack of oh. Perfect. I literally Perfect. could not remember. It the took words you a moment to remember span. it, and then I lost my attention span, so I made a joke. So. It worked. It worked perfectly. It was an, it was a real accidental alley oop. You you threw the ball in the air and I kind of like knocked into it with my elbow and it landed in the Yeah, anyway. none of us caught it, but none somehow totally went to the basket anyway. <laughs> we completed the metaphor somehow, right? 
whatever that would be. Um, I, yeah. And so I, I also think like, the, I, and, and again, and I've said this before, like, I think like it's, it's really too easy to merely dis- dismiss it as misogyny. Yes. I think that like teen magazines and fashion and like that kind of shit, I think is going to be a better recorder of it. Yes, I agree. Um, but that doesn't mean that like, you know, it, but I think that's also unfortunately where the misogyny comes in, right? Where it's like, oh, like, oh, it's like only trendy shit that like girls were doing. And it's like, did you go to a rave? That was like li- literally everyone. There were dudes there, too. They were just as maybe there weren't magazines devoted to dude fashion in the same way. But like they were yeah. doing just the same stupid shit, like like yeah. just as concerned with the look and just as dandy, yeah, just as I, dandy as, as the Victorian. And I would right? say so like, that do I would say in that same spirit, that is the reason why at this point I now read a lot of like fashion magazines, Vogue and, and all those things. Every magazine I can get my hands on, quite honestly. Um, because as they all quickly disappear, um, I will remind everyone that I had a subscription to entertainment. I don't know if I ever said the podcast, I had a subscription to entertainment weekly and four weeks into my subscription, it was canceled (gasps) and they started sending me people magazine. So like, so entertainment weekly, by the way, is is just dead. Like there's no more entertainment weekly. And the only ceremony that I received was a little postcard in the mail. It was like, Oh, we'll push all this to your people magazine subscription. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's the, I am reinforced in my opinion that the reason I will continue to subscribe to magazines for the near future is because they're about to completely disappear. Mm -hmm. Um, If entertainment weekly is gone, that was like the one magazine that you could be guaranteed you had a subscription to because they were tossing it with some of their subscription. That was the lead in. So if the lead in is gone, then forget it. Like everything else is going away or it's going to go up to like $12 an issue, which, and what's the point? Um, Yeah. And I mean, maybe for Italian Vogue. Exactly. Actually, you know. regular Vogue has some really good articles. They just don't. No, uh, it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just don't mm-hmm. really put them on the cover. They usually put them in yep. like they'll. It'll be like the one, or it'll be like two columns on a page, and then it'll be back in the, in the back section where they put all the words. Yeah, but some good stuff. Really good. So stuff. I mean, I feel really like I feel like I've I've subscribed to like a wide variety of magazines hmm. in my life over the years, yeah. like. You know, again, not because I necessarily like believe or ascribe to them. I've like anything for, like I've had both an economist and an ad busters subscription. Let me just say. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could you people who know me will probably know which side I lean more towards. Yes, that's right. No logos, <laughs> no logos at all on my clothing. I defy you to find one. Uh, um, I have one Adidas shirt. It's worn out so that you can barely tell what the logo is. So, that's yeah, fa- no, I that's mean, I did, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I like Sharpied over my Chuck Taylors, but I did not actually get the no logo Chuck Taylors because, like, who does that? Also, like, I stole the shirt from uh, my girlfriend. So, yeah. Also, also continue. All of us should continue to shoplift as often as possible, just from. From the big stores, you know what I mean? Because that's that's the ad buster's lifestyle. I, and if we're not going to be 1997 about it, then what the fuck? For What's the record, the point, I only right? did it up to age 13. Um. Yeah, same. Um, I only did it up until the statute of limitations says that I am <laughs> no longer on the hook for it. I don't know. I haven't done the math on that, but let me just go ahead and say that. So as as we're out here on the stack of uh, uh, videos that make up America's um, family video collection, that is the world of reality television. 
Mm-hmm. Let us particularly look at one family member, which we have been discussing a little bit. Um, Tila Tequila. She's a member yes, of our please. family. Um, she's been in a number of different programs, but you may remember her from being famous on MySpace back at the very beginning. And um, if you don't, let me give you a little bit of a picture. Basically, when you sign up to MySpace, the guy who created MySpace or ostensibly created MySpace, he, he was automatically like your friend. And the only person second to him who had, you know, like number two for friends was this character, Tila Tequila. And although not her real name, she's, I uh, believe, from, uh, she, I believe she's Viet originally. But uh, her, her, sh- her personality is, um, well, invented for one. But uh, essentially, she was adopted by like a marketing campaign, sort of, to become the most famous person on MySpace, which then in some ways worked to her benefit where she was able to get other things, such as this VH1 show. So at the beginning of the VH1 show here, well, actually, did I did mm-hmm. I did I play that uh, clip in the beginning of the last episode or the, during the last episode? I don't I rem- I think you did, I but I, did. I think you could do it again. Okay, hold on, let me. If you it. want, because it's just if so shocking. Want. It's just so shocking. Um. Anyway, so and it quotes. It is like we just quoted it from uh, that article here. So let me pull that up. So let me continue as I'm getting this. The, she was very famous on MySpace due to one of the first kind of viral marketing campaigns where they would send you messages or whatever and try to get you to like follow back for some kind of like exclusive content or something, which, which now is like a very uh, standard practice. Um, but at the time was kind of like an invented uh, practice. Like it took like, like a real marketing team and some programmers, I assume, to come up with all that. But uh, that was at the time where um everyone out there was trying to figure out a new vector to get some kind of content and they, nobody even really knew how to make money off it at the time it's, it's worth noting that like there was no m- way to directly make money off of myspace even at the time the most you were doing was like a a dj party or something like that there was no like product marketing like there is today where you could have all this merch and stuff like that all maybe there was but not not nearly the scale that it is today um anyway it was as- basically like t-shirts being shot out of a cannon yeah like that was merchandising, I think. Like that was like, like maybe a cup, like a plastic cup that yeah, you here, get. Like go ahead you and know. Just play just the intro here. Turn the microphone. So yeah, she'll talk about it. Or you could even be one of my two million friends online. But what you don't know about me is that I am bisexual. My whole life As we were just talking about. by both men and women, and I'm tired of being alone. Now I'm going to take charge of my life and find the perfect one for me. And, about to meet- and so that's the setup. And basically, so she takes 16 men and 16 women. Um, and the lesbian, well, excuse me, the women are sensibly lesbian, as she describes, which doesn't make much sense in today's context. But let's say that they're all friendly to a relationship with a woman is essentially they don't. She actually does define it more in the show, but it doesn't make any sense. And she changes the definition later as she's talking. So they're just uh, women who are willing to appear on a reality show seeking a relationship with Tila Tequila, essentially. And there's uh, some men, too. And I actually found it really interesting. They cut five people from each group, like really quick at the beginning, which uh, was like a really uh, satisfying thing to see. They just took all the people that were like completely uninteresting away, like right at the top. 
Uh, and then you're left with um, <laughs> 22 of the most um, 2007, 2000, the 20, 20, 20, they are the most 2007 people you can possibly imagine. They're like all the tropes of reality shows at the time. And they are exactly the kind of person that you would expect would show up for like the casting call for like a dating show. And I believe that's actually what they thought they were getting into. And I'm not, it's not even a hundred percent clear that they knew they were getting into a show with tequila. I'm not a hundred percent sure about that because it seems like they were surprised by a lot of factors of the show. Every step seems to be a surprise to the, the cast themselves, which I don't think is how they do things these days. Not, at least in the, like you might, well, no, I actually, cause, uh, there's that Netflix show I was just telling you about last week that actually does surprise the cast with a, a scenario that they weren't signed up for necessarily. But um, uh, the show is entrancing. It, it, it does everything right. It does everything wrong. It tells you everything you want to know about the cast right away because they get, they get them all um, sauced up like episode one. You're getting to see both casts drinking and partying to an extent that really is reserved for like uh, MTV dating shows, you know, in the later 2000s. Um, like really, really rowdy, like guys fighting within like 30 minutes over like nothing. And, uh, it's really that classic. It is the stereotype of the, of the reality TV show. Well, it's 90% of the stereotype. It can get a little worse, but it is, it is pretty much like guys fighting over not even Tila tequila, just being 20 something guys. And then the the women are interesting cast they're definitely casted differently than the men they're not casted to be like um uh confrontational they're casted to be like confused almost it seems like they're they're like um trying they're all trying to figure out like why they're there like why tequila tequila has invited them on the show necessarily they're attracted to her i think but like it's almost like that's not even part of the show. It's almost like uh, the point the point of the show is actually to see who ends up with Tila Tequila at the end, who like um, survives, then like uh, finding a shot at love with Tila Tequila, as the name of the show goes. But um, anyway, I wrote down some notes. I just want to quickly glance over them because some of them were so shocking. Um, let's see. I will say uh, this show says the word bisexual more than any show has ever said it mm-hmm. ever. No show has ever said that word more times. Um, they say it every five seconds, and I, they don't even define it. Cor- well, they don't define it by today's terms, but they don't even define it correctly by then's terms either. It doesn't. They don't really define it except to say that the, she's attracted to both men and women, um, and that they do say direct. There's a direct quote that I do want to say. They bring up that she has had her heart broken by both men and women, implying that she has had like some kind of <laughs> serious relationship with a man, both a man and a woman in the past. But um, they don't go into any detail. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, she, it's also worth noting that in the um, introductory sequence where they introduce um, a bunch of the characters when they first had the combined pool party of all the male and female cast members that remain after the first cut, she reveals to them then that she is bisexual at that moment, and that is mm-hmm. in her life to the whole world. That is not just, um, she's like, I haven't even told my parents yet, she says like before that. Which I found to be an interesting situation. I didn't remember that context at all from the show. I thought that was very, um, I don't know. I don't know if that was true or just uh, something she said or, or what. But um, 
I don't know. How okay, that would so play. I just wanna, but yeah, yeah, I just, and I also just wanna fill in some some like dots here for mm-hmm. for the listener because I like I didn't really know much about her either. Like I, I think the only thing I really knew about Tila Tequila when you brought this up last week was that she was on MySpace. Yeah, I probably had her as a friend on MySpace. Like, didn't everybody? I feel like everyone had Tom or whatever the hell his name was, right? right. Like, yes. um. But like, so I see that her like, so I went to the Wikipedia because where else do you start? But yes, Wikipedia. You, you have to find that current controversies section. Or all right, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I started at the beginning yes. and it says that her career really started when she became a Playboy model in like around 2002. That ties it back in. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then she started like showing up in like random, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like reality shows. Okay. Um, and I, I couldn't remember. I thought she was like a booth girl, but she was, she was essentially a booth girl. She was a car show girl. Right, and she was doing, like, Maxim modeling and stuff like that. Yeah, and things like that. And, like, that was, like, how eventually it it says, like, she gets to a shot at love starts in 2007. That's right. You know, so we're, like, five years into Tila Tequila, like, you know, growing into what, you know, and then a shot at love uh, with Tila Tequila is, of course, like, like like everybody's gonna know who she is now right yeah, because once, now it's on tv yeah no one's forgetting. like it's gone from like the internet and modeling which is like you know like yeah like some people wouldn't you know it's it's kind of like i just saw that like mia khalifa is rebranding right like this is gonna be like yeah. yeah if you said the name mia khalifa right now you're gonna like dudes are gonna like you know their eyes are gonna perk up in a room if you're like in a party or whatever right but like most people are gonna be like who right yeah uh, you know, um, well, she, but now if she, if she like becomes like, you know, if she's like, I, I don't remember what it said she was doing. Like she's looking to be on like a TV show or something. I don't know what the fuck she's going to do, but you know, they were like, Oh, she's going some like rebranding or something. Yeah. She and, wants you to treat her like a normal star now, which is fine. I mean, but you know, she's going to benefit strongly from previous popularity as all stars do right. shift career, mm-hmm. you know, right. gears, but um i'm interested to see how that but like it's out. that new that new platform right just like yeah. suddenly it's just like it doesn't matter that they had never heard of Arnold. her right it was the same thing with tila tequila like it didn't matter that like yeah. people had never heard of her before it was still like oh now she's on this show i guess that's fascinating let's watch yeah everyone comes from something arnold came from bodybuilding and he's you know america's favorite actor so um i don't know you know it's like you know a, a male uh, showing off the body kind of a scenario. So that's that's why I make okay. that comparison. Um, I, I think a lot of uh, models making the transition and stuff like that because mm-hmm. I feel like models are probably among actors and people in, in the behind the curtain, sort of. I feel like they have the most opportunity to gain a lot of awareness of, like, what the ins and outs are, the kind of more the don'ts than the do's, honestly, um, or have the opportunity to learn those things. Uh and uh, I don't know. Those people can make some steps in the world if they're smart. <sighs> I learned a lot about Tila Tequila in those episodes. Um, I learned that she didn't like ladies in taxi outfits or uh, <laughs> male lady outfits. She didn't like someone because they were too orange. She didn't like certain guys uh, because, uh, let's see, um, she thought someone t- looked too much like a lifeguard. 
and uh, at least we got a costume party before everyone went, though. So it was it was really. It's an innocent show. It's the only thing that makes it scandalous is the fact that you know about Tila Tequila today, but also mm. they couldn't make a show like that. They wouldn't say the same things. But could they ultimately have a show where there's one person being competed over by both genders? I mean, that's that's even open because I don't know how people would touch on that today. I don't know how it would be approached. There's a correct way to approach it, I'm sure. Are people going to figure it out and spend the time to make a show about it? Unlikely, for at, least, at least for a while. Like I don't feel like today's climate has the room netflix for example is not going to make a non-heteronormative dating show in the near future i just don't see that happening and they're the ones that are these days making the alternative dating shows honestly netflix so um i don't know it'll be fun though i'd love to see it i Um, mean surely someone could i mean i don't know who i mean like you know i mean i don't know any of that shit well enough to be like oh this 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 place could pick up this project around and that shit. But like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. Like, I feel like the problem is that like, like, of course, like anything in television is everyone's like concerned about like, how, well, how are the fucking advertisers going to take it? Right. Like that's. Yeah. I think that's why love Island hasn't done it yet. Um, I feel like love Island, if love Island was to do it, they've in the season I watched, they danced with the idea, but, you know, the cast did, but they never addressed it in any real way. It's not like the announcer even, like, mentioned the fact that they discussed it, but they were like, hmm, that's funny. Like, I like girls. Wouldn't it be interesting if that was, like, a dynamic of the show? Next scene, never come back to it again, but it lives in the mind of the viewer. I don't know. Maybe that's why they left it in there. Um, yeah. It's an extremely edited show. I mean, obviously, they record them, like, 24-7, so what they show is all intentional, uh, much like Big Brother. But yeah, the bisexual dating simulator, um, is it worth going and watching on YouTube and the, and the weird quality and stuff like that? Yes, um, if you're a fan of dating shows. But I would also say this. I would go and watch Singled Out before I would go watch Tila Tequila just because there's way more entertainment value in it. And also, um, if you're if you're diving deep, go back to Tila Tequila for the history. But I think the only people <laughs> to the history right now are kind of like people like us. And I don't know how many people there are like us out there right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, but one thing I can say is, uh, if you go and enjoy these reality programs, um, take the ride. Remember that when you're watching a show in 2007, watch it through the eyes of 2007. Well, watch it through the eyes of today as well, but, but keep those mm-hmm. eyes on, keep those goggles on. And, and remember that you're watching a show from 2007 and think about the audience of then and what they would have liked. Cause if you're around then you can probably remember at least what people were, what people's gaze was like then versus now. Um, and it's um, it's interesting to th- think about, I guess what I'm pointing out is think about all the things in that show that would never exist today. And then what would it look like today? Speaking of. Also, yeah. also interesting oh, yeah. to even think about like, you know, like what we, what you were just saying about like I- interesting to watch the show, knowing what we know now about like Tila Tequila but that's also funny to say about singled out because we could say the same thing about Jenny McCarthy, right? Like mm-hmm. who's like a weirdo anti-vax person but too. But was really good right? on that show. She was very funny on that show, which is a strange mm-hmm. thing. Like I remember as I was watching, I was thinking, I was looking at her thinking this is today's Jenny McCarthy as well as yesterday's. Um, but honestly, and if you're, let if us gonna... all. Re- yeah. I mean, she, she had to have been funny. She was dating Jim Carrey, right? That's right. Even at the time, probably, I bet. Um, yeah. 
Oh my God. No, I just, I, I just Googled it to remind my, cause I, rem, I, like I mentioned, like I totally remember her as part of the like show zero recollection of Chris Hardwick zero. Yes. And now that I've gone to like, you know, like a search now I'm like, Holy shit. That's Chris Hardwick. And I'm like, look at his, look at his fucking nineties hair. Mm-hmm. Look at <laughs> Anyway. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a clip for the class. Please. Right here we have 50 single women. Right here we have 50 single guys. That's right, 100 love-starved people looking for a taste of romance on MTV. Singled out. And now your host, Chris Hardwick. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you, Chris. Singled out. Here's our recipe. We throw 50 guys and 50 girls into this big pot. We let two rise to the top. And we're just gonna dump the rest. You know, we're just gonna dump the rest. Before we begin, let's go to Jenny McCarthy in the dating pool. Hey everybody, as usual, we're gonna do this. The twice. dating pool. First with the guys, then with the girls. Remember, one in fifty is gonna have a chance at love. Are you guys mm. ready? Yeah! Everybody, Chris, bring out the babe. She's an 18-year-old college student who knows exactly where she's going in life. But once on a date, she accidentally walked into a fire. I'm dancing like her. That's why. Say hello to Katrina Abrahamian. It looks exactly like what you're imagining. Don't worry. All right, men. Say hello to Katrina. That's era-appropriate music, by the way. Katrina, we're going to nail down this group of 50 men to eight or less using age, body hair, height, kissing style, career goals, and of course... These are all binary choices, yeah, one, or, one or the other. Yeah, I know favorite. it's your favorite, Jen. Just shut up. Is everyone signed in? I'm yeah, there. we pushed and probed these guys until it hurt. Just so we can get the right information from them and stuck it right on their chests, right here. Thank you, Did it hurt, Jenny. guys? Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, what uh, category do you want to start with, Katrina? Chris, I'm going to start off with age. Age. All right, we have underpants or underoos, and everyone fits into one of these categories. Who do you want to get rid of? Well, I want someone that's young and spunky, so I'm going to get rid of underpants. Underpants? All right, you're too old for underoos. You're too old for So this is when they're all doing that like little walk of shame and like yeah. anybody who doesn't fit that description has to exit right. the stage. And, and yeah. I would also add that this show seems like it's the most chaotic game show ever run. It's just total chaos. We're going to get rid of powerful and deep. All right, you powerful monkeys, get out of here. Now you seem a bit despondent about this. It's Chris Hardwick encouraging uh, sexual harassment. Yeah, and then like the the so it's like this parade of dudes who are all going past her, and they are just in the wildest outfits. I'll tell you that. So that's that's basically how the show proceeds. Um, it's that it's that six times for like each person basically, and then they find like the one that they like, and then they stick them together on a date. Um, 
it's a pretty wild show. It's definitely a product of the 90s. I would highly suggest going back watching. There's a ton of episodes on um, yeah, YouTube. On the like YouTubes, yeah. And that's where I'm just watching it. Um, I will put a link in the description because why not? This episode, uh, particularly funny. We watched that after last night. It's great. As I'm here on my YouTubes, because I opened it to follow along visually, um, I noticed that in my recommendations um, is singled out. Oh, also, yeah, which reminds me, because my history here is also reminding me that I did, in fact, watch a shitload of America's Funniest Home Videos, let me tell you. Oh, yes, that was your report card. So, yeah. Yeah. Give me, give me some deets. What was, uh, what was the update on that? Um, first of all, let me start by just saying, like, how wholesome it all is. Uh, how literally you could just click random video on YouTube and it's America's funniest home videos. Like that's probably the process, right? So like, cause that's, that's apparently what people did is like, so America's funniest home videos, the, the producers would always announce, Hey, Hey America, send in your videos and win $10,000 or some shit. Like it was like some grand prize and I, or something. Um, that's what we talked about, like the voting mechanism, right? Um, anyway, yeah, it was just really wholesome. Yeah. Because okay. it was like just like, oh look, here's like someone someone passing out during their wedding. Oh look, here's here's a baby falling down the stairs. You know? <laughs> I love I love I love uh, how Bob Saget could record a, a comedic narration to a baby falling down the stairs and you're like, Oh <laughs> that baby's fine, but Aww, wow, I had baby a laugh. with a nail gun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that that person really got hurt, but <laughs> what a knee slapper. Like Yeah. No, there's some where I was like horrified where I was like, yo, like this is back to the snuff film question of like, is this faces of death? Like is that like is that person really okay? <laughs> like Um Speaking of America, you know, th- this is like the world star hip hop dilemma too, oh, yeah. or like Rotten.com. Like you can't watch, you can't, or Live Link or whatever. Live Link. I, I try to keep like my brain can't. out of the spaces these days. Yes, yeah. no, you can't go yeah. in there. It's it's a, it's, it's a it's, young it's, person's it's a, game. Oof, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't have the stomach for it anymore. I don't think I ever really did. I, I only ever like waited in there, and I was like, like I like would only go into those places enough to go like, oh, that okay, oh, <laughs> okay, I'm out. So goodbye, thanks. <laughs> no thing. I um, I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of things from the '90s, such as America's Funniest Home Videos, and 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 I did watch. A, this is totally unexpected, but I did get into Survivor just last night. Watched the first half of the first season. Got really, really into it. And um, I'm pretty sure it's like popular culture knowledge like that. The man who won that season became very famous, not just because he won that time, but he won a couple other times in other seasons of Survivor. He's since wrote a book about it, etc. Um, his name is Richard Hatch. And the very first time he ever appears on Survivor in the first episode, he says, the first thing he says is, I've already won. The check already has my name on it. All I have to do is just get to the finish line and figure out how to get there. I already know that I can do what I need to do to win. I just have to survive and do it. And he wins. He wins with so little effort, and he loses almost every single tribal game. It's incredible. And he doesn't he realizes he doesn't need to win the games, he doesn't need to do anything. He just needs to become a leader and remain the leader of a group until there's no more group left. And 
that's it. He figured it out. Now, I learned, I did a little Wikipedia searching. Oh. He was he was previously, he had worked in the corporate world. He was not like a CEO or something, but he was like kind of, he was like a C-level executive, I guess. And so he had some cash. He had some experience. He had a lot of networking skills. He had a lot of interpersonal speaking skills. And he used all those skills um, to communicate very effectively with everyone. And no one like finds him conniving. No one finds him manipulative. No one finds him, they all, like even when he like, ends up at the top of the pile at the end of the day, they're like, well, he put in a lot of effort and like, it seems like he kind of deserves to be there. And that was his like whole, he rides that wave through the whole thing to the very end. He's everyone's friend. And so never, one ever considers him a threat and he never was a threat. And he, in fact, he won the game by playing it as intended. Like it's actually kind of amazing. And I don't know, the show obviously probably takes some twists and turns and maybe even huh. encourages a little more uh, cunning and conniving kind of behavior like later in later seasons. But Season one is kind of just Richard Hatch like playing the game correctly as described and just winning. <laughs> it's uh, very satisfying. It's a really smooth, breezy watch. Um, it's only like 47-minute episodes, something like that. And there's only 13 episodes. And I, that's why I did a poll yesterday, polling about the number of episodes everyone remembered in Survivor. And 75% of the people answered that it had 24 you know, full network season of episodes, like The Bachelor or something does today. But it's not. It was only, um, it was only a 13-episode show of 43 minute episodes that's the first season of survivor you could go watch it like you just watched i don't know any show on netflix and um completely uh in ca- it'll it'll take you back in time it's like watching a time capsule there's all kinds of sponsored um placement i learned all kinds of stuff about the production 54 million people watched the first episode of, uh, of Sur- or first season of survivor which i found out wow. um through through to the finale um it, i think it premiered after the super bowl maybe um but either way it continued 54 million viewers, which is larger. That's double the population of Australia, I believe. Um, that is uh, such a significant viewership that um, they had estimate. Like, what are those numbers they call like uh, the the preview numbers for? It's like they have uh, shit. like I, the Nielsen households. Yeah, it's like the pre-research. They can like predict how much viewership a show is going to have, so they can sell ads based on like if even if a show has never had a pilot, they mm-hmm. can like say like oh it'll have based on these. So it like quadrupled their expected audience reach, and they were blown away. They and they they had already paid for the show in the in the furor leading or in the, the frenzy like leading up to it. Yeah. On product placement in the show, not including a single television ad. Product placement alone paid for the cost of the show. And then, of course, wow. they made it into like a multi-billion dollar empire mm-hmm. um, with now 43 seasons, I believe. Jesus. Um, which, of course, has only been running. They've been running two or three-ish a year since then, uh, 1997 even. I think it might be 97. Um, either way, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic uh, little zip in time. I'm, I'm just through the first half of the season. That's where they com- they have two camps at the beginning, you may remember, and then the in the middle of the season, they combine the two camps and then they kind of continue the show. The second half of the show is everyone in one group. Instead of having team competitions, they have individual competitions, which is really where the show, in my mind, becomes extra interesting because now everyone is talking to each other all the time. There's no, like, uh, separation. And, uh, yeah, you get to see Richard Hatch go on to his great victory, which isn't really spoiling it because, honestly, as you watch the show, you're like, there's no one in this competition who's going to win except for him. Like, maybe Rudy, like the ex-military guy, because he's just kind of, like, sagely as well, and people kind of just like his presence, um, even though they 
<laughs> they try to get rid of him a couple times for being like too conservative or something like that. But really, I mean, I'll, I'll also say this. I, I, I feel like it's impossible to spoil anything that's more than like three years old at this point. Yeah. And also, it was, you know, this is a man that was so popular at the time that everyone knew who his name was. I remembered his name from 20 years ago because he won Survivor. Like, I haven't looked this mm-hmm. up since then, but that's him. Um, and, mm-hmm. then re- and then a couple of years ago, I went and read that he had won multiple seasons of Survivor. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And he donated the last win to charity because he had already, he felt like it was like a weird thing to win multiple times. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a real, he's a, he's a real hero. Mm-hmm. He talks about um, other people making an issue to bring up that he's gay, essentially, on the show. And he seems to want to, like, avoid talking about it because he's just like, I'm a person. Why are you <laughs> bringing this up all the time? And I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it was like um, everyone. Play the game. It's all rec- exactly. It's all reconciled very well. Everyone becomes very cool. And I would say that all the social issues, the differences between the groups of people is probably evened out by episode four or five. I think, like, mm-hmm. everyone had spent enough time, like, being divided at some point and then they realize that like oh we can only talk to like eight people so like we need to like <laughs> we're gonna go insane if we're just talking to a f- couple like three people for all this time so everyone seems to get along at, at some point um uh and there's a lot of uh i don't know there's a lot of really interesting reality show dynamics that get explored in survivor that every show explores after that um so it's good to go back to the basics and kind of look at the beginning i do kind of want to go back i definitely want to go back and finish that one season but i think i want to jump ahead to maybe where richard makes his reappearance just to see like because it's an all-stars season so i get to see like the other notable characters from past survivors kind of all in one that's season eight so that's where i'm looking to go into next but uh I don't know. Maybe ne- when I come back next time, I'll have a big book report on like Jeff Probst and Survivor and stuff because that's really where I'm going into. I think um, competition reality shows are really interesting to me because uh, I've said it the very first episode. I think that there are some people in reality shows who know they're on a reality show, and there's some people who don't. And um, I think if you watch this sh- or listen to the show long enough, you know what that means exactly. Um, but that's a Survivor is a very good example. There's three or four people on the beginning of that, that episode that show who have no idea what being on a reality show means for good reason at that point, because there hasn't been too many on TV that are nothing like Survivor, but there hasn't been too much to compare it to. So they don't even really know about being a character or what being on TV is like. And now today's world is so focused on personalities that we know what personalities have to do or compromises they have to make to appear as a person or a character, a version of themselves on camera. Um, but it all starts back there, really. Um, starts with the real world, I guess, which is where we started. But it continues and form- reformulates for the competition version of the show in, in uh, Survivor. Enrapturing um, show, still to this day. I highly recommend it. Um, if you have Paramount Plus, go take a, take a look. Uh, if you don't have Paramount Plus, you know how to get it. <laughs> it may be available on Hulu as well, like a free pay- ad version. Uh, by the way, I've, I mean, you know, that, like it's available all like I'm sure that thing is kind of all over the place. You could probably like go down to your local Goodwill and find like a random box set of season four or something. Like oh, yeah. just do that. Like who cares? Like yeah, whatever. Watch I, that. Uh, I highly recommend it. There's, it hasn't it hasn't aged for uh, uh, it hasn't aged poorly. Let's say that it's it's aged very 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 well. Um, it's the real time. You know what? I'm going to go do that tomorrow. I'm going to go to the thrift store tomorrow and I'm going to see. Yeah. That's a story right there. That's a perfect segment. Yeah. Are you kidding? I could be like Huel Hauser in there. I love that. Yeah. Just come back with some, uh, some reality show DVDs. Cause you know, those seasons, they, 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 they're out there. 
and they're easy to pick up. So that might be a good one. Yeah, no, I mean, and then you I can... have an optical can... media drive to stick the disc in. Yeah. Um, I have an I have an old television. Like I have a I have like a flat screen that has like one you of these like built-in okay. DV- yeah like Sweet. you know whatever. But like whatever. Like I don't even I haven't tried sticking anything in there in some time. So maybe I should try it before I go like buy a bunch of media. Uh, well, Kathy, yeah, I'll give that a shot. Yeah. Uh, is yeah, there anything I mean, else you'd like to to cover today? Um, let me see. I don't think. I mean. No, I mean, I feel like, you know, we covered Tila Tequila. We covered Megan McCain. Uh, we covered America's Funniest Home Videos. Um, yeah, just again, just continuing to be so fascinated by like um, people who want attention and then are upset when they get it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's a, that's a crucial element of everyone that we talk about in this program. So. hmm yeah the the dance of 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 wanting everyone to look at you and then wanting to look away so mm-hmm. yeah no it's i i i couldn't imagine like i i i'm you know and here we are making a podcast <laughs> exactly right i know that's, that's exactly where i was going with it and to that I hope end people are listening to our stupid little words <laughs> and to that end we wrap up the program and i i i invite you the 30 members of our program our listening audience to um talk about the program somewhere to your friend maybe tell them that it exists because if other people know it exists then it continues to exist uh even more it will continue to exist whether you tell people about it or not i can guarantee you that but uh more people listen to it will that make you feel cool like you're a thought leader or an innovator of some kind i know it would Uh that'll be you just ahead of the curve Mm -hmm. oh way ahead of the curve about a year and six months let's say a year or six months ahead of our new yorker article where they interview us about how we figured out how to get PhDs within two weeks online from American Samoa or something like that. Yeah, right. Based on reality television. Um, It's fantastic. No, we're really doing it. Saul did it. We can do it too. Um, (laughs) And that wraps up our program for this week. Uh, This is uh, Reality Issues Episode 8. And uh, there are a lot of things in the document we probably didn't get to, and maybe we'll get to them next week. Seems to be a theme. (laughs) But But that just means that we will continue onward. You, you know, I feel like if we had the opposite <laughs> problem where we were like, holy shit, man, we've we've only been talking for 10 minutes and already ran out of shit to say. That's when that's when I feel like we'd be in some serious trouble. We we are definitely into the opposite problem, which is no problem whatsoever. Yeah, I've never um, I've never uh, looked at a clock more um, dismayingly and saying like oh damn it's really been that long nobody will listen yeah. to us if we continue talking so yeah, right. yeah so thank you thank you if you survived this long and we will be back next week and uh, we'll this- put an intermission next time yeah def- well maybe we'll put an intermission this time who knows maybe that part where i hesitated for a long time i don't even remember but i'm sure to i'm sure to- yeah put some like little like intermission music and, like, oh there's already music take playing a right bio now. break yeah we're, we're already getting played out right now there's already music playing in my head Bye, everyone. What's the, what's the song? What's the song playing? Decide quickly and I'll, it'll be there no matter what. Oh, I have no idea. It's been idea. playing for the last 30 seconds. It has a good intro. It'll be that. It'll na, be Paint na, It Black na, by na. the Rolling Stones. Hey, hey. No, no it, can't, it can't be that. Be that one. It can't be Rock and Roll <laughs> Part 2. Yeah. Okay, that's the end of the perfect. Bye, everyone. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>
So this one, I'm gonna put, okay, I'm down at the very bottom. Okay, uh, where can I put this one? Oh, this is some, okay, here, in the trying to spend time with normies category. Okay, this Grace Anatomy article is wild. Okay, good. And we and it too is about the the lies that people make up. So it's like fascinating. So we should totally talk about it. And Please. that's all I'll say for right now. Um, the other thing, which relates to Tila Tequila, which I think you should actually um, come down here and look at it. Uh -huh. uh, Really? Okay. 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 So maybe it does fix. Unless I, okay. It let me see. I I do. Let's see. This is from 2008. Okay. Yeah. Let me find the video that I was looking at too, because I saw a video that was pretty um, pretty good. Because I did I did do the book report. I read a little bit of the Wikipedia article as I was browsing through her. Um, content on YouTube. Unfortunately, on YouTube, all of her stuff is like, um, you know, where it's like in the three-quarter box down there, and it's like got crazy stars going around the corners, and it's slightly uh -huh. sped up so that it doesn't get caught by the algorithm. Uh, or, I don't know, I guess they're trying not to get caught by the algorithm. That was, um, I'll put it this way, the show was worth it enough for me to put up with that for the research, because it was so shocking. Here's Singled Out. That's that show. I'm open it now. Oh, yeah. That show is something else. And then where are they now? This one here. I just went to this one. I'll put a clip so that maybe it doesn't get caught by the What else has a clip? I think there is one clip that I know will instantly come up on YouTube if I type it in.
Yeah, just Julie. The best of Julie. That is really the video I'm looking for. Perfect. If it goes by chronological. That's right. I'm talking heads for each other. <laughs> I lost my shit last night when I was watching we that. Yet somehow Julie has the talking heads preacher and she still says stuff like, oh, you got a beeper. You must be a drug dealer, right? And I was like, ah. <laughs> I mean, it's 1992, but um, yeah. still. At least her friends were here. Kind enough to teach her a lesson. Have a good trip, Let's see if I can find that thing. Have a good time. Was it here? Yeah, the six people, and and I was really excited and really friendly, and it was it was great. Just a lot of relief. So we haven't drugged off. <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't know. You sound high. I'm so glad I like all y'all so far. What show did you? This is. This is a uh, Real World season one, episode one. Okay. And then I moved to New York like in 90 because I really wanted to like pursue the writing. I'm Because I'm a poet, they also do like news articles and reviews, music reviews and things like that. You know? I moved here and I went to NYU and I went to film school. Put this down but here. I went back to what I did when I was little and grew up with, which is I decided the only thing I love is music. And so I've been playing that for a long time. I've been modeling for about a year now in New York and just recently started to get into commercials and acting and stuff. You made big money then, don't you? <laughs> no. Still have it? Oh, here it is. This is it. So I left Michigan in search of a painting career here in New York. And I started working with a partner. Now we have a company called Gouda, named after our dog. I'm with a major rap group now. I went on tour. I went to Arsenio. I just did everything right hey. in the beginning. 